from New Jersey Guy Sports, your sports talk home for the Yanks, Giants, Rangers, and the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. I'm your host, Don. I want to thank you for listening. Now, today I'm going to be talking about two things, Rutgers basketball, crushing Georgetown, Wednesday night at the Rack, 71-60, to and the New York Rangers are continuing to roll, even while dealing with more injuries. So let's go ahead and get started. So let's go ahead and get started with Rutgers basketball. Fresh off the signing of Ace Bailey, the number three overall high school prospect in the country, Rutgers dominated Georgetown Wednesday night at the Rack. They won 71-60. to Rutgers' depth was evident again with tons of bench scoring, kind of figuring in the win. Still, Rutgers left a lot of points on the court with missed free throws. That continues to haunt Rutgers year after year, day after day, game after game. In this game, Rutgers' full core pressure was excellent. Excellent, and really seemed to unnerve the Hoyas on Wednesday night. By the way, this was, by a country mile, the most effective Rutgers press has been this entire season. The rest of the games, we tried the press here and there, but it was pathetic. Matter of fact, it helped the other team in other games when we pressed. This game, you know, it was very, very effective. Very effective. As for the game itself on Wednesday night... Amori started pretty quickly. It looked good, right? For Amori, apparently there were 10 scouts in the crowd. So they said on the broadcast, he, right off the opening tip, he had a dunk. And then there was another dunk about a minute later. And so he had four points in, I don't know, the first minute of the game. And then, bam, again, again, Amori had two fouls. Just like that. In the first five minutes of the game, he was on the fucking bench sitting there. Again, I don't understand why he keeps fouling early, but he does. So Maury spent a lot of the first half on the bench again. It just seems like he doesn't learn. For whatever reason, he's taking ridiculous fouls early in the game. He has got to stop fouling. The team in general, early on, you know, struggled. They shot poorly, although Georgetown also did. So that helped, you know, a lot. Against a Better team than Georgetown, I think we would have been in trouble this game because we did not start the game shooting very well at all. We missed early layups. Fernandez, in particular, led that misery at the rim. Just sometimes there were open layups, wide open. Very few of them were challenged. I know one of them, he tried a reverse layup. One of them, it was fast, but again, there was nobody in his way. I can't understand the continued missed layups for Rutgers. I just don't understand, especially when they're unchallenged. Um, and we miss, must have missed three, four, five of them again. Uh, it, it's just, it's unnerving to watch it. Now, luckily, Gavin Griffiths kind of elevated Rutgers within the first half. I mean, he had, I think, eight points or so. Uh, at least early on, he had eight points. I forget exactly how much he had at halftime. But him, he was hot. He hit a couple threes, made a couple good plays. He's really going to be a good player for Rutgers, it seems. At least I hope so. I can't wait to see him play with Ace Bailey next year. That's going to be Pretty incredible. Georgetown, after Rutgers had a lead, went on a late run in the first half. During that run, Rutgers looked pretty friggin' inept offensively. I just don't know what was happening. It was far too stagnant. We kind of settled for passing around the perimeter. Georgetown employed his own during a lot of that, and Rutgers kind of struggled for a little bit, just standing around, passing around the end. Instead of trying to dribble drive and then dish to teammates, you know, when they employ their zone defense, you know, that often results in more outside shots, but it doesn't have to, right? You can dribble drive a lot and then dish to an open receiver, an open receiver, an open player, a teammate, and Rutgers didn't do that very often. Still, Rutgers was up at the half uh, 38 to 32, I believe it was. Um, 
Then in the second, I have a really strong start by a Hyatt and Fernandez uh, put Rutgers up to stay. This was maybe 54-38 or something. Um, Hyatt hit a couple threes. Fernandez had some good plays, hit a three or two. Um, and Rutgers is up by 16. Now, from there to the very end of the game, <clears throat> it was kind of an ugly limp to the finish line from there. There were just both teams were fouled and missed shots. There was a moving pick calls. There were turnovers on both ends. It was not really pretty the last 10 minutes of the game. Um, Rutgers has a lot to work on, both mentally and physically. We made some stupid plays. Amori took a couple stupid fouls. Um, we took some dumb shots. Um, so there's certainly a lot of mental work we need to do. Physically, I, I think we have to get better at certain things. Um, but it was a pretty dominant win. Um, we weren't ever really in danger in this game, and that was good to see. Georgetown's obviously not a great team, but you know they, they're certainly not the worst team in basketball. So it was good to see that we mostly dominated the game while I would say not playing anywhere near our best basketball. Um, just a couple notes uh, on the game. So Mawant Mag was unavailable again. Um, he is quite important to this team in just about every way. We played very effective defense, but he is our best defender. We will be even better when Mag is back. Uh, Derek Simpson seems like our absolutely our best, most consistent free throw shooter so far. He never seems to miss. And then at the end, it kind of confirmed it because they put this season, he's at 100%. Um, <clears throat> I know he hit eight for eight um, against Bryant and he hit at least four more today. I don't know. He, he's helping us at the free law line because, you know, we suck giant monkey balls at the free throw line. I don't understand it. I don't understand it. Um, Georgetown certainly helped, but this was absolutely, as I mentioned a minute ago, the best Rutgers defense has looked this year. We certainly need Mag back as soon as possible, but not just the trap, as I mentioned earlier, the full court press, but just the half court set defense. We were helping. We were quicker. I don't know. Peichel kind of got in their face a little bit. Steve Peichel's teams are normally known for their very stout defense. We've had, you know, Big Ten Defensive Players of the Year and McConnell, and we're consistently in the top 10, top 20 in the country in defensive efficiency. And um, it's good that we finally had a game where it looked like the old Rutgers D. So that was clutch. I thought Jermichael Davis would be more consistent than he's been. A couple other notes as we close out the Rutgers piece here. He takes too many shots in my mind. He just does. Um, he did actually hit one or two today, but I, I want to see him setting more up. He seems a little more out of control. I know he's a freshman, but he needs to be more in control than he is now. Um, we're going to say, I, my, my mind is not made up on J. Mike yet. He seems to play pretty good defense. Um, he is quick with the ball. Um, we'll have to see. Other notes. Missed layups. Why can't Rutgers hit layups? <laughs> Thousand dollars for anyone who can answer that for me. Why? I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't understand. Why can't we hit free throws? There's another question. I don't know. Wolfolk did not look great at the line. Even Gavin Griffith struggled at the free throw line. He has shot pretty well from the line the rest of the year. But holy moly schmoly. <laughs> Jalen Hyatt. Jalen Hyatt. Hyatt. <laughs> Had a good game again. Oh, I'm losing my mind here. Um, Rutgers, I guess Mr. Inconsistent, I'll call him. Right? Hyatt. 
Mr. Inconsistent of Rutgers had a second good game in a row. So that's a good sign. Maybe he'll warm up now. We're going to see. Other notes, it's starting to feel like, to me, like this team is going to be as good or bad as Gavin Griffith is, really. that That's what I'm thinking. If he's good, I think Rutgers is going to be good. In my mind, that's what I'm thinking. We're going to have to see how that plays out this year. If he's not any good, there's a lot of inconsistency on the rest of the team. We're going to have to see. You know, you can't really call things in November either way. Um, if you look at some of the scores and the upsets and the things going on, college basketball all around the land, you should know not to panic when it's November. Uh, things happen. Teams look a certain way. Teams are getting together. So it's still too early to make a call on this team. But to me, it does feel to me like if Griffiths continues to play at the high level, like he has a few of these games this year, I think that gives Rutgers a pretty decent upsize. And if he doesn't, I don't think our upside is as high. We're going to have to see. And just Rutgers just continues to, to stink at the free throw line. Um, stats for the game. Let's see here. We have Rutgers shot. Fantastic. 58% from the free throw line. Fantastic. We missed 10 free throws again. So there you go. That's 10 points we just left on the board at the free throw line. It's just too many. You can 14 for 24. We cannot leave 10 points on the board at the you can't miss 10 free throws. And at least one or two of them were front ends of the one and one. So, you know, when you miss the front end of one and one, it's almost like going over two, even though you're over one. So it's even worse than the 58% is what it is because you left two points on the board by missing one free throw. Um, we did hit a few three-pointers, so our three-point percentage didn't look as bad, even with hitting a few of them. I mean, if I were to just sort of not take anything and say, how do we shoot threes today? It seemed like we did well, but you look at the stats and they were nine for 24, 37%, which is not bad, apparently, in the NCAA. But again... It's like you're missing two out of every three shots. It's it's not good enough. Um, again, it's better than we've been because we've been, I don't know, 18, 20, 26%, really terrible. So 37 seems great, but, you know, it's not that great. Um, we did hit on 45% of our overall field goals, so that was something. We had 10 turnovers, and we didn't have any fast break points. We were led by Simpson, by the way. He had 15 points. Um, he's improving, which is great. Um, he had a couple good shots. He looked good all over the court. Didn't miss a layup, but you know, like I said, the whole team does. Hyatt ended up with 12. Noah Fernandez had 10. Maury only had eight. Um, mostly because he didn't take that many shots, but also because, you know, he can't keep out of fucking foul trouble. Uh, and Gavin Griffiths ended with only 12 points. He didn't really play a lot of minutes, only 19 minutes <coughs> for, uh, Gavin Griffiths. So we're going to have to see. If he ends up getting more minutes down the road. Rutgers overall, after losing their opening game to Princeton, is now 3-1 overall. We're 3-0 at home at the rack. Up next, Rutgers takes on Howard Saturday night at the rack. Let's go, RU. All right, let's move on to the Rangers. So the New York Rangers continue to roll on, despite a slew of injuries to critical players on the team. And I mean a slew. There's a lot of friggin' injuries. <clears throat> and these are not small potatoes guys, right? The Rangers are rolling in spite of plenty, plenty of injuries to their very best players. I mean, Igor, as you guys know, is a Vezina Trophy winner. <clears throat> He's been out for the last five games, although he may return as soon as this upcoming Saturday against the Devils. Uh, Heedle has been out since November 2nd, and his return actually seems nowhere close. Uh, there's reports he might have yet another concussion. He's had a few, we think. 
Um, concussions are tough. The more you get, <laughs> sometimes the longer you're out, sometimes the worse they are. Sometimes the easier it is to get even more concussions. So it's, um, it gets exponentially worse with concussions if that's what Hedl has. And that is not a good sign because Hedl in that second line were doing really, really well. Now, obviously Trocek has stepped up to that second line center and surprisingly has done really, really well filling in with Panarin and Lafreniere. But we cannot be down yet another center for a long period of time. The Rangers are already, I think, short a, you know, classic number two center. But maybe Heedle could fill that role if he continued to develop, you know, this year. But continued long-term injuries for him have been a problem his whole career. And this may be yet another one. So we're without Igor. We're without Heedle indefinitely. We're without Adam Fox, who, you know, may be our most important player besides Igor. Fox obviously has won the Norris Trophy. Uh, he's also been out, I think, since November 2nd, and he's not even eligible to return since he's on long-term IR until November 29th. Uh, now, after the last game, Ryan Lindgren, kind of the heart and soul of the Rangers defense, he was hurt on Sunday, and his return is unknown. We're going to have to see, right? So they're out without Igor. They're without <laughs> Fox. They're without Heedle and possibly without Lindgren. And through all that, the Rangers are 9-0-1 over the last 10 games, and that is an astounding great sign. That's just amazing. Um, every team's have injuries, um, but for the Rangers to play with some heart and soul throughout that has been really, really good. Now, I wrote on Twitter recently a few of the reasons why I think the Rangers are off to such a good start, and maybe I'll <clears throat> add a little color to them here. Um, Lafreniere's growth is one of them. Lafie's actually really, really turned it on and played strong lately. And his game Sunday was spectacular. I mean, it was really, really good. Um, he had a couple goals. He had the tying goal with, you know, 10 seconds left. He had the shootout winner. Um, his growth is really going to go a long way this year in determining how far the Rangers can go, at least in my mind. I think that's what's going to happen. If Lafie really develops, I, I think that bodes really, really well for the Rangers. If he doesn't, <clears throat> it's just hard to see. The Rangers, um, you know, going far in the playoffs. And I know there's a lot of other factors that matter, but he's the number one overall draft pick here, and he's got to start showing something here. And so far this season, he's looked the best he ever has. So that's one reason. The next reason I think the Rangers are doing well, the addition of defenseman Eric Gustafsson, he has, his addition has paid off in spades. He's been just tremendous all over the ice. He's a really good defensive defenseman in my mind. Um, he has been excellent in rushing the puck. He's been really good in the offensive zone. He scored a couple goals. He's taken over on the power play since Fox has been on IR and, you know, done really, really well. I mean, this from the, really from the first game of the season on, um, he has been an excellent addition all over the ice to our defense. And he is a big reason for the Rangers consistency in my mind. The next reason, Artemi Panarin. He's playing at what is an all-world level at this point. Uh, Panarin's always been pretty awesome, but he's had some down play for us over over the last you know year, year and a half, and certainly in the playoffs, but at certain times during the season too. Um, but he is playing at a level that is as good or better than he's ever played with us. I mean, his vision, the way he sees open ice, his passes that he makes, incredible. And he seems to be playing with like an inner fire at this point, right? Just, um, I think he really took it to heart last year when 
He didn't do well. <laughs> he famously shaved his hair off in the offseason, which was just nuts, right? Because that's when you think of Panarin, right, in your mind. What do you think of that flowing air as he's flying down the ice, deking people out? And now he basically went bald. Um, so it's, it's quite a change for him. And he has really, really on the ice just performed magnificently. And he's scoring. He's scored in every single friggin' one of the games this year. He's got a point in all 14 games the Rangers have played that ties a Ranger record. He is second in the NHL overall in scoring. He is spectacular. He's scoring goals. He's getting assists. He's playing well. And now he's even getting double shifted at the end of games because of how well he's playing. The Rangers, again, as I mentioned earlier, with the injuries, are playing are 9-0-1 with the big injuries. And to me, that's another reason. that shows some depth. that shows some character, this team. And it really gives you a feeling that this team – could be special down the road. It's certainly too early to tell. You can't talk about such things in November. But when a team loses just tremendous, you know, the superstars, right? Fox and Igor are fucking superstars, right? Heedle's a big part of the team. And certainly Lindgren is the heart and soul of their defense. These are big pieces the Rangers are playing without. And they're just killing it without their best players. So that does tell you a lot about the team's makeup. Um, Lafreniere has got them playing together. He's got them playing as a team, and I think that really helps. Another thing that's driven their play this year, and I cannot overstate how important this is, face-offs. It is just the, one of the most underrepresented discussions. And I, if you listen to this podcast, you know that for years I've been raving about face-offs and how important they are to winning. And it, you just don't hear about them. I mean, occasionally you'll see a face-off stat, or you'll, you'll see them talking about it during a hockey game, but it's not talked about enough. It is a critical, critical thing. And the Rangers' face-offs have improved this year. Trocek, in particular, has done well. He's up in the 60s in winning percentage. Nick Benino has been spectacular. Uh, even Mika Zimanejad has improved somewhat. Face-offs really, really matter, even though they're not talked about in that fashion, especially, especially and critically Face-offs that are in the offensive or defensive zones in hockey, they are critical. I don't care as much about the neutral zone ones, but when you're in your own D zone, you're in your own or the other team's offensive zone, winning or losing that face-off can mean a lot. Trocek's face-off, for example, Sunday night in the offensive zone, the Rangers were down 3-2. We had a goalie pulled. There was like 21 seconds left, right? He won the face-off, and that enabled that goal to happen. If, if Trocek loses that face-off, the Rangers lose that game. That's how critical face-offs are, right? There's 21 seconds left. The other team wins it. Forget it. We're not scoring a goal, though. They're either going to clear right away, score an empty net goal, or just tie it up for the last 10, 15 seconds, and we lose. But he won it. We moved the puck around. We scored and tied it and won it in a shootout. Matter of fact, there was about three or four face-offs in the last minute or so in their zone, and we won them all. Had we lost any one of them? There's a fair chance we would have lost that game. Faceoffs really, really matter. They matter. It's critical. It's important. And we are better this year. We're apparently second in the NHL somehow in faceoffs. I think we're going to play the lottery because the Rangers never, ever, ever are good in faceoffs. Year after year after year after year, we just are terrible. We're like bottom of the league every year. And I know they hired um, someone to work with the centers this year. Whatever they're doing, they should just triple his salary because at this point, the Rangers are much better. It's noticeable, and especially in the big spots, and that's what counts, right? You know, you're, you're down a goal, and it's an offensive zone draw, or you're up a goal, and you're trying to prevent them from coming back. A team has the momentum. And there's a draw in your zone. You know, you, losing that 
could result in a tie game, you know, that you don't want, you know, and, and there's a lot of situations I could bring up. Bottom line, we're better at face-offs. Two more things quickly on why the Rangers, I think, are better this year so far. Will Cooley has been a spectacular rookie addition. I mean, he, he's not, you know, showy spectacular, but he's very hardworking. You know, he he skates hard. He skates fast. He had some sandpaper. He hits everyone left and right. <clears throat> he has a bit of skill. He scored a few goals. He plays great defense. He retrieves pucks in the corner. Will Cooley has been really the kind of player that the Rangers need, and they need more players like that. i got to tell you, those grinders, the people that when you dump the puck in, you can go hit someone, win a one-on-one battle, gritty, play good defense, lift a guy's stick. Will Cooley has really been a great rookie addition. Lastly, as for reasons why the Rangers are uh, better in my mind, I think, importantly, the Rangers under La Villette seem more like a cohesive team in most of these games. They have what seemingly is a consistent defensive presence so far. We'll see as the year goes on if that, you know, uh, sticks. When you're when you're winning a lot of games, your defense generally looks pretty good. But the Rangers are, statistic-wise, very good. They're second, third in the league in goals against and shots against and things like that. <coughs> they're, they're very good stat-wise. But just to the eye test, they seem better defensively. Like they're not leaving the goalie so far, hanging out to dry in a lot of instances in most games, right? They have a you know consistent defensive presence, and I think they play pretty damn well defensively overall. And they seem to have you know a certain breakout structure and things like that, which I think they were lacking on, under Gallant. Again, it's early; you can't make broad proclamations in November, <laughs> kind of like I'm doing now. But I can just tell you what I see versus what I've seen last year, and the Rangers seem like a more cohesive team. Start to finish, defense to offense, line by line, than they had previously. We'll see how long they can keep it up. So there's a lot of good stuff happening for the Rangers. Um, <clears throat> it's early, you know, but with this many big names out and the Rangers still playing this well early, there is definitely some reason for optimism about you know a long playoff run. In my opinion, you never know. Now, of course, hockey being hockey, you just don't know, right? Nothing is ever how it seems. You remember Boston last year. It seemed like Boston had 200 points in the regular season. I don't know. They had 100, and I don't remember what they had, but some ridiculous amount of points. I feel like they didn't lose a game the whole goddamn regular season. They, they go to the playoffs, and they lose in the first round. So it's just you can't really count on anything sometimes in the hockey playoffs, but um, you can tell certain things from how – teams playing the regular season, you, you can get a feel for certain things. And um, it's early. It's early. But early on, there's a feeling I'm getting about this team, right? There's a feeling. And I don't know if other fans feel it too. It's not just the record. It's sort of the overall feel, the system, the ability to play through injuries. There's a feeling. There's a feeling here. We'll see. We'll see. <clears throat> Real quickly, um, would there be a three-on-three overtime rule change coming? There's a quick news item I wanted to mention here. NHL general managers apparently have discussed changing the current three-on-three overtime rules to prevent teams from continuously exiting the zone in the offensive zone in order to retain possession. If you guys watch overtime games, you'll note that the team, the thing that teams want to do most often and almost all the time is just retain possession of the puck because, you know, I guess if you have it, you can't lose. But the the whole reason they wanted three on three is they don't want to tie. They want someone to win. They don't want it to go to a shootout. They want someone to score a goal. And, you know, the more that it's just one, posi- one team holding possession of the puck, 
the less exciting it is and the less chances there are and the less chance someone will, will score. So the NHL is discussing ways that they cannot have this, right? Oftentimes, one of the most important phases of the game is the overtime puck drop because once a team has possession, they might have it for the next minute, two minutes, sometimes longer. It's ridiculous, right? You go into the offensive zone. If you don't have anything, you circle around, circle around, circle around. Sometimes you take it out of the zone. They don't like that, all right? The general managers uh, are looking at ways to prevent that from happening. Some potential solutions they talked about include, <laughs> I don't know what they're going to do. They're, they talked about it. Maybe they'll have a shot clock or not allowing teams to cross back over the blue line or the red line or whatever after entering an attacking zone. There's nothing in stone. There's no rules written yet. There's no particular rule yet, but they are looking at ways to change that, which is interesting. Um, Once they give the actual rule, I'll comment on how I feel about it. Um, I don't particularly love three-on-three hockey. I don't think it's very representative of how a team is. It's obviously very exciting most of the time because, you know, up and down the ice action and you get a lot of shots, you get a lot of skill. Um, and the Rangers as a team with a lot of skill should do well in three on threes, even though they sometimes don't. Anyway, that may or may not happen. The Rangers <clears throat> next up, <coughs> excuse me, they take on the New Jersey Devils Saturday night on the road in New Jersey, highly skilled Devils team. Um, they seem to match up really well against the Rangers, right? Um, we're going to have to see. This should be a good early test on the Rangers. All the people hurt. We might get Igor back. We might not. We'll have to see. Anyway, let's go Rangers, baby. That's all I have. So uh, I want to thank you guys for listening to Jersey Guy Sports. Thanks for supporting the platform. I appreciate it. You know, please subscribe. Please like. You know, please tell your friends about it. Um, download the episodes. Check out my Facebook page and Twitter page. It's in the show notes, guys. Um, if you want to hear more and some more in-depth in comments, please subscribe and tell your friends about it. I'll be back soon with some more sports talk. I want to thank you. Have a good day.